Hello, I'm Conrad Swift, and welcome to the Cardano Convo podcast, a podcast that gives a glimpse into the Cardano ecosystem. The Cardano Convo provides an easy-to-digest explanation of the projects that are being built, thoughts, and what's going on within the Cardano community. Today, we'll be learning about the CNFT platform Token.io from Valentin, a co-founder, Anthony, their business advisor, Chris, their head of marketing, and Quinn, their Pluto smart contract developer. Without further ado, let's get to the interview. Hello, everyone. It's nice to have you on the show, and thank you for taking the time to talk with us today and answer a few questions about the work you've been doing with Token.io. Thanks for having us. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. So there are a couple of questions that I always ask. To begin, could you tell us a little bit about yourselves, your backgrounds, what drew you into crypto in general? Yeah, so uh, Chris, Chris is an OG here as well. So um, my background is in mechanical engineering, and uh, I got into crypto in 2012, 2011, 2012. I found uh, Bitcoin. I think it was around four bucks at the time. And uh, yeah, and the, 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 I mean, I just read the white paper and understood what Bitcoin was about. And I was at the perfect age. I was in my early 20s to kind of have that mentality of a you know revolution in the money system. And so the rest is kind of history. How about you, Chris? Yeah, I'm a, uh, I guess I come from a very similar background as Anthony. I'm an electrical mechanical engineer. I was an automation automation engineer specifically, so kind of worked with a little bit of everything there. Um, and I got into crypto in, I guess, twice. The first time was in 2011 or 2012, very briefly, and then again in 2015, and I've been in for 2014, and I've been in ever since then. Wow, that's quite early. How about you, Valentin? Um, I've been doing a lot of job. Um, I used to be um, an art teacher. A uh, long time ago, I've been doing uh, graphic design too. And uh, then I shifted for uh, computer stuff. And I've been uh, being a project manager for a while, um, installing some some software uh, in Europe and in US. And uh, now I'm a product designer. So I shifted to try to combine all those uh, different uh, d- different jobs to try to, to make uh, one on its own. I can see you being an art teacher. That makes sense. Yeah, of course it is. <laughs> totally, totally does. Do you like them? Learn something new every day. <laughs> yeah. Hey, look, guys. Seriously, Valentin is an incredible artist. I didn't, I didn't actually see any of his any of his art until way after Token had already been kind of doing our thing. But when I saw some of his art for the first time, I'm like, what? <laughs> it's, it's really good stuff. Anyway, Quinn, Quinn, you're up next, brother. Batter up. Uh, batter up. I uh, I was originally on track to try to get a PhD in, in astrophysics, and then I decided to do something completely different and change careers, and now I'm a, a Plutus developer. But I got into Bitcoin like 2010, 2011. I, my college roommate told me about it, and he was like, hey, have you ever heard of this thing called Bitcoin? And I was like, well, what is it? And he's like, you, you, you should check it out. And then after that, I was pretty much like hooked. And so, yeah, but that's the cheap days when you couldn't buy it. And you just, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Where you had to mine it. 
The funny thing is I'm probably the holder of the guild here, but I'm probably the more newbies in, in crypto because I started like back in 19, uh, in, in uh, nine, uh, 2019, uh, when it was at the peak, at the first peak that we, we know. I just started to buy when it was falling down. So, uh, But then very, very quickly, I, I came uh, to be interested in Cardano and uh, uh, about all the community. And the fact that it seemed for me a very different, a very different project than any other one. Oh yeah, and again, we do have a lot of OGs. It seems in this call because I like everybody like 2010, 2014. Those were back before it hit like the mainstream. Because as as Valentin's saying, in 2017, that's when it blew up. That's when it hit all the news. Like you couldn't go a day without hearing it towards the end of 2000s. I believe 2017. So no, it's yeah, a lot clearly of people. Everyone was just trying to buy drugs on the internet here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was just saying that that is why. <laughs> December twenty first, twenty first, twenty seventeen was the the previous all time high for BTC. Oh wow! Yeah, it's and I think it hit like did it hit twenty one or was it more of the eighteen thousand range? It was just, about twenty one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was some. There was it was different prices across the board. Different exchanges had different prices, but right around twenty twenty point five, twenty one, somewhere in there. For awesome. me, it was different because um, I was uh, all looking at it in euro, not in USD. So uh, <laughs> when I started by, it was eleven. Uh, it was eleven. Uh, eleven. Eleven uh, euro, not USD. Okay. And oh, then, no. I just continued to buy when it was falling, 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 falling. <laughs> but then I get very excited about the technology and, and the fact that I was not making money with it. Uh, I was just thinking that I was uh, really entering a, a technological uh, project that was awesome. And even more with Cardano uh, for uh, even the, the philosophical concepts than, uh, than the, uh, the technological concept also. Okay. Oh no. I, it's, it's been an eye opener. I'm sure for many as cl- including myself, but I did have a question. Could you guys give a quick rundown of what token.io is? I know you're all working on token.io. So maybe I can start that. The, the, the first thing I, I came up with, um, so I, it was the beginning of delegation. Uh, I was uh, delegating for frog, um, Kyle, um, and uh, it just came up uh, the, the notion of, of uh, fungible, uh, fungible tokens on Cardano's. It just appeared. Then I came up with an idea of an art project, and I was thinking I miss a tool for that. And the tool was to be able to mint and exchange tokens. I was not even thinking about a marketplace at this time. My idea was to um, stick some NFC chip on on a real real piece of art, like uh, modeling uh, modeling art, and uh, link them uh, with an NFT uh, and making uh, the virtual being physical again. So that started this way. This is where I started to draw a map. Uh, about um, a user workflow to make a, uh, to make a product to be able to mint some elements and being being able to trade them before a smart contract. My idea was trying to see how we could avoid uh, smart contract and still being able to 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 make um, to make some exchanges. And this is where I drew this map and I sent it to Kyle uh, Frog. Uh, 
channel, Frog, Frog Telegram channel, and I say, oh, I drew this little map. Uh, do you think there is someone that would be interesting to help me building this? And then a friend of Lassizen, which is our lead engineer, um, responded, oh, I know a few, but I know another guy that probably know much more than me. And this is where we met with Lassizen. So that was the beginning of Token. And they were an, artist, uh, an artistic project, the idea of minting. And then very quickly, uh, with many people that came along um, and asked us to, if they could join the project, um, uh, very quickly, Anthony uh, joined. We had also um, BuffyBot that came and uh, gave us a lot of in, in, invoice and uh, input to be able to build up our project. Uh, all those people came together and this is how it came alive. So Token was started as a minting platform essentially, and it evolved into a full marketplace. And really how I got involved with the Token crew was that I was looking for developers to help build a marketplace. And I was introduced to Valentin and Lathison. And um, my concept for a marketplace was to build something similar to an Etsy. So I started talking to the guys because a lot of the marketplaces aren't as intimate with the artist. You know, it's more like an eBay. You never know really who the seller is. I mean, you can see their stuff, but it's not, it doesn't display their work. It doesn't tell you its bio. None of that is available. So I really wanted to center something around the artists and, and emphasize what the artist does and who they are. Um, so that's kind of when I joined the team, Token kind of took that route to really cater to the artist instead of to the buyer or just selling. It was we really wanted to build up new artists and let artists freelance on their own on the site and develop their own name. And uh, so the marketplace has evolved to kind of where it is today. The way the way it started with the artist is uh, I had this uh, at some point many at, at the at same moment we were starting to building this minting platform uh, we saw a lot of um, of wall um, a minting wall that appeared and there were a lot of crappy stuff uh, showing up in there and the first thing that I thought was we probably want to try to make something that would be appearing to be quality a quality product with quality content. Um, and then I heard uh, on one show, uh, on one YouTube show, a guy named Jonathan uh, Dickinson uh, talking about his art and the way he was uh, re remodeling uh, uh, um, some some virtual concept, some virtual concept. Uh, with painting, made it material, and the guy was fascinating. It was very interesting. So I contacted, I contacted uh, him first and many other artists to try to make a community of artists. Uh, and we tried to build up this partnership uh, with them where they could do their art, mint their art, and try our platform, and then giving us feedback on the way they were feeling about it. And that was very constructive, the way we interacted with this, uh, with this community. And it has been helping us building the product from the beginning. Oh, no. So I, I've noticed, actually, you guys have a lot of features. And of course, I'll be touching on a couple of these as we go. And I'm sure these are things that are going to help set Token.io apart from its competitors. So to kind of touch on what you guys are talking about, I noticed that Token.io has many user-friendly features such as personalized profile pages and <laughs> minting drafts. 
So could you elaborate a bit more on these features? And again, as you were kind of talking about, it seems that it's almost like developing a forum for these communities and people to socialize about the projects that they're working on. I think Chris should take the personalized page because he does a lot of the artist interaction. Well, I guess that's somewhat true. Uh, Valentine <laughs> actually really handles quite a bit of the partner artist onboarding. Um, I just help him however I can, um, you know, with, with that, because it's, it's a very involved process because um, we want to we want to ensure we're bringing, you know, quality into that family. Cause we have uh, how many partner artists now? Like 50. I think we have 40 or 50. Yes. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a big number and everybody in it, it is a token partner artist is like just super top shelf, like great people, you know, on an individual level and just exceptional artists in their own right. And, um, you know, we, we have an internal test that whenever we're testing something like the whole, the whole crew comes, you know, it's like a team of 50 people, you know, making stuff happen. Um, but the, the, to, to your, to your question, sorry. Um, oh, you're good. The, the, the profile pages, it's actually very immature at this stage. So we have right now, if you, if you go, if you create an account on token, um, anybody, not just a partner artist, but anybody can have their own token profile page. And so when you create your account and you go to set up your, your, your uh, public page, you can basically assign your own URL. So, you know, yours, for example, could be something like token.io forward slash Conward, right? So you have mm -hmm. a very, you know, nice, clean URL and you can share that. And if you're using the asset publisher, which is another feature on token, when you mint, when you mint on the platform, you can go into the asset publisher and choose what is public and what is private. And, and by default, all of your mints will be private. But if you choose to make some of your work public, you use the asset publisher to make them public. And then those things will show up under your profile. It's kind of like your own curated gallery. I personally like this feature probably for a different reason than a lot of other people, because I, you know, early on I was creating a lot of stuff for personal reasons and then for, you know, my own personal projects or whatever. And then for testing reasons for testing on the platform. And so I can, you know, I can choose what I want to be public and what I don't want to be public. Cause there's a lot of stuff that I've created for testing purposes that is definitely not worthy, you know, of, you know, and so technically I am a token partner artist also, you know, by default, because, you know, we're, we're testing on the platform. Yeah. You're one yeah, of the most a, prolific, prolific one. Well, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> That's debatable. Um, but there's a lot of stuff, you know, I don't want to be public obviously because it's just for testing purposes. Um, I can there's been you. there have been there have been plenty of times where I have minted some of Valentine's work, yeah. you know, to to test with because I just wanted to grab something real quick and you know run with it. But anyway, um, so that the current the current state of your profile page is literally uh, things you have made public as an artist, and you can share that. And so you basically have a gallery of your previous work. Right? Nobody can buy it. It's just kind of a uh, uh, a representation of your work. And, and one thing to keep in mind as an artist, if you want to keep maintain it, if you're mining on token, you want to maintain a gallery of your work, mint your work before you move it off platform, go to the asset publisher and make it public. So once you actually move it off platform, you'll always have representation of that work in your own personal gallery. 
Now, very, very soon, we will have the option to, going back to what Anthony said earlier about the Etsy example, um, artists will be able to have listings at that profile you know, page. So they'll be able to share token.io forward slash Conword, and anything you have for sale will be right there, whether it's an audio book, uh, a, an actual book, a, a MP3 album, or, you know, art or whatever the case may be, whatever it is, it'll be right there. And either that would be your personal art or the, actually some trade cards. So some traders could have their own wall uh, and showing that to the, to, to the public and artists could show their wall, having their gallery and having their, um, their also their, uh, their marketplace on their own. So to, re to remind you a little bit, uh, the process and, and what I was talking about earlier and the fact that We sort of of crappy places with a lot of crappy NFTs and some very not censored, not not uh, filtered at all. So my first idea was, uh, and me and Lassie didn't agree to that. We were saying, okay, what could we do in order to have everybody to be able to mint their own work, even their crap? But we would allow uh, only to push up uh, the good stuff, the, the, the quality artist stuff. So this is where we decided to have this manual where um, everybody could show their work. But uh, then we decided to show only the, the partner artists because we would know there they would be quality. And that was much before um, the marketplace, actually. And then everybody that would want to make their own and show their own, uh, they could share their pages Either they would be uh, partner artists. The difference would be we would link the partner artist galleries to token and everybody else could do their own gallery and be free to share it, but then not sort of stain the image of token that we had in mind at the beginning. Um, so they could work with token, uh, but then we would have two separate routes. One would be um, uh, everybody and then the partner artists that would be Uh, showing their work into like the main big gallery of all the the good stuff that we would have chosen, and now there is a virtuous uh, a virtuous uh, cycle that goes on, because actually the partners are chosen by the partners themselves. So there are a system where uh, some artists are applying to to be partners, and then we put we put up a system of voting where the partner community themselves onboard themselves, the, the artist. And that makes a community that is super friendly and very, uh, like a very friendly family. And we're super happy about this, this, um, this community that we have been building up that build up its, itself, but around our product, uh, around our ideas, uh, even before if, the product. If I could add, um, to take the uh, profile even further, one step further, Um, not very many people know about this yet, and we just started discussing it, but not only will you have a user profile with all of your artwork listed, but we will also want to incorporate a VR gallery where you can enter a virtual reality gallery for each of these artists and look around and actually shop like it's an actual gallery like you would in, in, in real life. Um, and then we can start incorporating some really cool stuff like... Uh, having like a live auction, like where the artists can host like a live auction, like being at a real auction house yeah. uh, where you have other attendees. You can look around, see who else is there, see who's bidding uh, and really have an interactive and immersive uh, NFT marketplace. 
Oh, of course, that would be amazing. And to touch on the the profiles, are there bios for this as well? And I I think when you guys are talking about having this method, this is a great methodology to bring people in because it takes a little bit of the burden off of your shoulders, at least to an extent, but also it gives the community some power to help decide how the community wants it to be so that they get they're part of the community. And it's not just, well, you guys are under token.io. So whatever we say goes, because we've all been in that position before, whether it be a game or some other facility where because some companies running it, they even if the for example, in a game, even if the gamers are like, we don't really like this and they're just like, well, that's kind of too bad. This you guys are going, okay, we hear you. We actually want you guys to help vet what you want to see, what partners you want here so that we can try to make the space as welcoming as possible. And because they have that vested interest, then they're going to work hard to make that space as great as possible, because exactly. why, why would you not they do? But not it's yeah. not I don't see it very much as work it's it's more like a dynamic of creative uh, they they even sometimes partner to make co-work uh, artistic project and that has been a shift also that was very interesting when yeah, some yeah, of the sure. partner artists have been saying oh i have an idea maybe we can team up and use your technology with my skills and and they have been doing right. some mixed art together that was a very interesting shift in in the community too well and not only on shows- the art front Sorry, uh, not only on the art front, but all of the features. If you look at Token's features, I mean, if 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 it was up to us for to create all the features for Token, it would be the worst marketplace on the planet. <laughs> but most of the cool features that we have are per request of, of the artists, by, our by partner the artists. artists. They've asked for all of those things, and we've just delivered and we built and delivered. Oh, yeah. yeah, they're catching your blind spots, whatever you might not think about these things, because you, for example, in the same way, I might not catch the coding aspect, but I might catch like, for example, this would be great for vocals, like that type of thing. Right. They're able to catch those things that you may not think about. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And there's one there's one thing we've learned um, is that art, art is highly subjective. Like me, me, when me and Valentine start going through this, the process of onboarding partners after uh, after uh, partner artists have already voted, you know, like it's it's really become a thing that's really out of our hands. Like, you know, early on it was us deciding who comes in, who doesn't, and now it's evolved into this thing where you know partner artists vote on it. So it's art, you know, artists voting on artists, and there have been some scenarios where we would have some, you know, some new people who have submitted, you know, uh, you know submitted applications and they didn't have like, we, cause we have requirements like you need to get a certain number of votes this way, you know, versus, you know, a negative votes this way. Now that's to and become so me, a partner artist, not to get your policy verified. Right, Those are right. two separate things. So, so me and Val, mixed up. Me, uh, me and right. Val, me and Val, me and Valentine have, looked at a few people and like, okay, you know, this person doesn't have a lot of votes yet, but their artwork looks promising. And, you know, I, I will add that this person's art might not be appealing to us on an individual level, right? Because we know that art is subjective. It's not for us to decide what's, what's good and what's bad art, but we know we can see talent, whether it's something that we would personally go buy or not, you know? So that's, so it's really cool to see like where we've 
where we've come in such a short period of time in, in the regard of, of, you know, bringing partner artists on board and, and cause it's a really diverse group that we have going on. It's just so, so cool to see. And there is a cool thing between Chris and I, and we're very complimentary for that is um, as an art teacher, as I was saying, I'm not judging the work uh, really, but not more trying to understand the concept and the, 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 the artist approach. And this is one requirement that I asked the partners is writing down their artistic approach, much, approach, more, yeah. than, uh, much more than showing us the bling bling and the stuff. Uh, and it has to match, of course, it has to. And Chris has a huge knowledge also of the NFT and the way it has to work. And also with, um, uh, with BuffyBot, who is helping us. And the three of us, uh, with one, the technical point of view, uh, with Chris that has this human point of view and the way has, uh, this facility has to match with, uh, to, to, to bound and match with people. And me with my whatever skills, I think we're very complementary to try to make up this, uh, this community. And that's, that's a very rich um, interaction. Oh and yeah, that's for the artist and boarding stuff. But then, I don't talk about, of course, Anthony and Lassizin and uh, and Queen and and Siddiq, which is uh, one of our main developers too. Um, we all have very different personalities, and um, and I think the teams work pretty well for that. Yeah. One thing I've noticed is that you guys have set together a bunch of like policies that actually help bring in a diverse group of people because for example i know i have my viewpoint of art i can very specifically go i think this is art i think this for example i could look at work by el greco and go this is art this is beautiful but then i see like modern paint splats on a wall and i'm like i could do that and i can't do art so therefore <laughs> this isn't art so i'm glad that you guys yeah. have that varying like viewpoints that doesn't like you exclude not on that basis, but rather like, okay, is this just like them not trying and they're just trying to get onto, or is this, they just have a different artistic viewpoint and that right. we can see yep. what they're doing. Yeah. Right. And, and we're important. really more concerned with, with not so much quality of art. That's definitely not our job, but like, you know, copyright plagiarism type stuff is the, the more so the stuff that we're looking at and seeing if, okay, you can't go and copy a Banksy piece and then register as an artist on, on token and say, this is my artwork and it's, everything's just Banksy pieces. So we need to know that you're actually producing the work. It's okay if it's similar to another artist, but you can't, that's the, you know, we, we, we try to keep everything original there and, and not plagiarize anybody. Oh, of course. And one thing I noticed, so you guys have a smart contract functionality on your platform. And I wanted to ask about artist royalties because I noticed that you guys have that on your platform. Could you tell us a little bit about that and other smart contract functionality that is on your platform or and has this feature been widely used on your platform? Uh, to, my, to our knowledge, we're the only platform on Cardano that actually offers uh, royalty registration and what that looked like what that looks like is when you create a policy id to mint under which you have to have to mint on cardano um, you can register for on-chain royalties and when you do that you you are presented with two fields right so you have two options uh, one of it one of them is a payment address for the royalties to be delivered to and one of them is a percentage amount of sales 
for royalties themselves. And so mechanically, basically how that would work is, um, you know, you're registering the policy. So that particular policy will have, uh, you know, royalties registered on chain. And when you meant anything under that policy, that mint will have that policy's uh, royalty registration kind of built into the metadata. It's, it's right there in the structure. And you, you're essentially minting a nameless token to, to accommodate that. Um, if, I, if I can go so, back a little bit on the story, Chris, uh, there, there sure. is something very interesting about the way this protocol has been built because at some point we've been reached out um, all the different marketplace and the different mint platform have been reached out by a guy that say, okay, let's just all get around on the table together and try to figure out which would be for Cardano the best way to do royalties. And we even sort of get out of the even the ease principles and say what would be for us and for our structure the best way. And what was very interesting, and this is something that I really like about Cardano community spirit too, is even we were competitors and, and tried to look at each other in different angles. And we all came on board and, and, and worked on, on a protocol that was uh, for all For everybody. And yep. that, that was a very interesting uh, way of building it. So we're, we didn't just build the protocol <clears throat> for ourselves. This is That's a, right. a community-driven protocol, uh, protocol. John from, uh, from uh, Cardano Buds, um, B-U-D-Z. I think this was really his idea, uh, you know, it, or at least maybe not his idea, but I'm, I'm pretty sure. It, I definitely know he was the one who put it all together as far as the roundtable. So it was us, uh, Patrick from NFT Maker, Patrick Tobler, um, who's a very good friend of mine. Um, Stell, also a friend of mine, uh, CNFT.io. Um, some of the guys from Artano, um, who else there? It was like five or six different platforms involved in uh, other, uh, se several artists. Um, uh, Michael, uh, Michael Walker okay. from Cardano Chrome. He was involved. Um, you know, a lot of brilliant minds, right? Very, very bright minds in the space. And it was actually Patrick's idea to really simplify the payout of the royalty to just one field because he, you know, he said, um, you know, we can actually, if, if we wanted to have multiple distribution angles for royalties, we could handle that with smart contracts. So we don't have to have multiple payouts on the registration side. So that was really smart. Um, so that, that was totally Patrick's idea right there. Um, so, you know, kudos to him for, for, you know, thinking outside of the box and keeping it super simple. So, yeah, so, you know, we offer that registration, you know, on chain now. And there is, to my knowledge, there's no distribution model yet. Um, so there are some platforms who have said they're going to be the first or whatever, but um, so, so you know, whoever comes first, I don't guess it really matters. And but it's going to be good. Point, it's, we, it's, don't, it's, we don't know how we will show up, but at, some, uh, at that point, we had the idea of uh, having a consortium of uh, turning it on all, all, all together at the same time. I, it, it was two months ago, uh, one or two months ago that we put that together. And I don't know if, if it will be the case because now the market is different, but uh, that was the goal at, the, at, that, at that point. Right. Yep. And, 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 and like Quinn had said, it's an offline or off chain um, event, so it's subjective to the marketplace to implement it or not. Um, yeah, you will see system. it, right? You will see it on token within probably 
I would say the next update or two depends on how rapid we spit them out, but we are, we are very, very close to uh, sending out royalties. And, and what's cool about it is that you can pick your royalty from zero to a hundred percent. So now it's just governed by the community. If, if a community member or a buyer doesn't want to pay that much to an artist, then they just choose not to buy it. And then the artist will, you know, be forced from the market to lower their royalties. Um, so it's a very unique uh, situation that has never been encountered before. So we are approaching it uh, carefully and uh, we're trying to think it through. Obviously it's, it's very hard with no market data, but uh, we'll try to it. To all you, to all you artists at home, if you're creating unique work right now, think very carefully about your royalty amounts because yeah. you could easily right. price yourself out of the market. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so the, what we would recommend, of course, is not right. putting yep. your royalties up to 100. Otherwise, right. your asset wouldn't be wouldn't be tradable. Yeah. So because yeah. once you meant once you meant <laughs> yeah, once you meant five or six one of ones and that's the one of one and you've already sold it at a, at a market value, you can't go back and change your royalty <laughs> amount on that piece. It's was, permanent. It's, oh, it's on chain. Oh, yeah. One of the questions I was going to ask. So you say that it's off chain, which means it sounds like the royalties only work on your platform. And if that is indeed the case, are if an artist were to say, let's say 99%, let's say they get a little greedy and they go with 99% royalties, would they be able to change that on that piece or would they have to get rid of that nope. and remint? So there is one one feature that we, we implemented very quickly was uh, the idea of, and you talked about uh, uh, you talked about uh, about draft at some point. Yes. So my idea of draft is uh, the fact that uh, when you do something uh, on chain, it's uh, it's permanent. Uh, so I just wanted the person to be able because when you start and, and the metadata was something very interesting, uh, very interesting, and, and that we put up very, very quickly in, in, into the loop. So when you're typing a, a bunch of metadata and having a lot of stuff uh, uh, done here, uh, uh, if you mess it up, it's it's done forever. So if you want your asset to be very precisely done, you should be able to write down your metadata and then come back to it and verify it and make sure that everything is in place as you want it to, to be. But then the second thing that we thought about is being able to burn the assets that uh, you, we were burning. If we make uh, a mistake and and and, uh, and mint the asset, then if for any reason you made a mistake, then you're able to, to burn it and, and redo a new one as long as you haven't been buying, uh, selling it, of course. Yeah, there, there are some stipulations. I just want to be concise on the technical aspects of this. So there are some stipulations to how, how this can work, right? So the, the, the royalty registration is on-chain. Uh, the royalty distribution will be off-chain. Yeah. Now, if, if you have work that you have created and you want to change royalties later on, uh, as long as you – if you can get that work back – you can burn it under a few conditions. The policy has to still be open, which most buyers don't like to see for a long period of time. Um, so, that, and and then you have to have possession. So you can't burn you can't burn anything that you don't own the on the policy keys to, and you you can't burn anything that the policy is closed on. So those are very two very important 
parts of that puzzle for the burning thing. That's why I said for artists at home, you know, make sure you're sure about your royalty percentage, you know, ahead of time because it's 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 important to have your your game plan figured out ahead of time. Um, now, Quinn, um, Quinn can can talk about how that looks off chain, the off chain portion of that as far as the, the royalties distribution side. Yeah, I realizing that everything on the royalty system was going to be an honor case uh, came up on my fund for proposal for project catalyst. Cause one of the first uh, contracts I ever made was my own token marketplace. And one aspect of that token marketplace was the royalty contracts. I didn't even know about uh, the CIP 777 at that or not the CIP um, the 77 standard at that point. Uh, I just made that. And I realized I'm like, if no one chooses to use the royalty smart contract, no one's ever going to have to pay the royalty system. And so it's all based on trust. We as token can be very respectful of the trust and we can say, Hey, if you buy something with royalties, they're always, they're always respected. Someone's always going to get paid off on that. But no, no, it's like a, I bought a CD. I can always just give you the CD. You don't need to buy your own version of the CD and you're never really going to, circumvent that um unfortunately or maybe there's some clever ways in the future right. of smart contracts you know but uh it's but token will always respect real royalty systems it's pretty simple to be honest it's really the, on the user experience side i don't think a lot of people are actually going to notice that they're paying royalties because they're just going to be buying an asset and it just auto does it the transaction builds out and it's just kind of part of the price at that point um yeah without getting too technical into like the smart contract stuff Okay, so for example, if I see a NFT that's selling for a hundred and they've got a seven percent royalty, would that be baked into that one hundred, or would I, when I'm going to buy it, be a hundred and seven ADA for it? It's built in. Awesome. It would be built in. Okay, that's fantastic. Because I, being American, I know when you go to the store, you're like, I got to think about tax. I've got to think about all these things <laughs> I'm buying. So it's nice to be like, no, no, it's all baked into the cake. This is, right. you know, exactly when you go to check out what you're getting. So, oh no, that, that's fantastic. Uh, yeah, ho- pe- hopefully everything will be listed very clearly. Yeah. You, you buying this, this goes to this, this goes to this, and this goes to that. And really what, uh, this is what you need to know about. And you have where to be wary as a seller. Because if you're on a secondary market and you don't realize that the royalties on that asset are 90 to 100%, and then you sell it for 100 ADA and they collect, you know, 90 or 100 of your ADA and you didn't realize, you know, that's part of, you know, the, the, the fine line of selling high royalty assets and then being an artist and setting high royalties. That's that line that you, you have to be very careful of because then um, either, they won't sell or, or, or a secondary market won't value them very high because they're just not going to make anything on them. So it's, it's a tough, uh, tough one, th- gig. one thing that it makes me think about Anthony right away is uh, probably imagining having an alert. If, uh, if the fees is ridiculous, when you buy an asset, uh, having like an alert saying, Oh, be careful this asset, you won't be able to make profit on it because the fees is too high. So I guess right. there is a user experience to find there uh, right. to try to educate people to put reasonable fees and to buy with reasonable fees also. Yeah, so That's it, right. it might come off as, so having royalties isn't bad, but you might price out certain type of NFT buyers. For example, I'm actually working on a video, but I've categorized um, a couple different type of NFT buyers. Some buy just for the art, which is fair enough. 
But then you have some that invest to flip or as investors. For example, <laughs> one might buy Space Buds going, it's the first NFT on Cardano, if not one of the first. So I think it's going to get much more expensive later on. So they might be the investor right. type. Or you might have, for example, like the function utility look like people. The people are looking for, yep. for example, I know Vi-Fi had an NFT that you can um, put into their vault and earn Vi-Fi tokens on it. So like that's an NFT with utility behind. So you might price out some of those people if you go, there's a 10%. Okay, like in the same way, if an exchange takes 10% commission on any trade you make, that might price that out the investors right. because exactly. how am I to make a yeah. profit? I have to wait till a minimum of 11% or pretty much right profit, above 10%. Yeah. And if we're excluding like transaction fees to make a profit. So yeah, it would be very right. much like, and I imagine it's not just the first sale. As you said, so if I buy it from them and I'm like, I'm going to try to sell it again, there's still that 10%, right? That's exactly right. Yes, yeah, that's why I say you know, that's something for exactly. creators to be mon- to be mindful of. And I think it'll be something that's very rarely seen in like these bigger drops, these bigger, you know, uh, I don't know what to call them, these P- big PFP projects or whatever. You know, you're probably not going to see any royalties there because they're just going to ruin their, uh, their ability to – Your average you – know, yeah, your Unless average people right just now genuinely is about, are buying for the art. Right, your average right now is about four percent royalty. That's that's about the royalty standard right now. Oh, okay. but I will say there there is a use case for high percentages. It's just you know it just depends on what you're doing, right? So there may be uh, you know you might have a and I'm just using this as an example. This isn't a real thing, but SPCA NFTs, right? So they might have eighty percent. Uh, royalties. So whenever you buy or sell an SPCA NFT, those profits, you know, that, that royalties will go to a, you know, a, uh, you know, some animal medical facility or whatever the case may be, you know, so things like use cases, they'll probably have high royalties as well. There's another, um, uh, stuff about royalties that we thought because there is all those great projects that have been built before royalties. So for some people that we might be working with, we might even do enough chain royalty, uh, uh, enough chain royalties for for those projects to to reward them on on. Uh, Let's say, for example, uh, right. if SpedZub would be partnering with us, then we would be able to uh, reward any sales on, on tokens. Uh, that, that's something we're thinking about, uh, about yep. uh, reaching. We have one artist that we, we really like which, with Cryptognitis that has been uh, doing uh, some very cool characters. And uh, we're thinking about actually uh, building this system uh, for him in, in token. Letting people that minted before royalties, royalties. were saying go to in and build, embed some royalties into at least tokens. So if any yep. of their artwork sells on token, they'll continue to get paid for it. Oh, that's, that's right. That's awesome. And so one thing I want to talk about, and I know we've been talking like more on the individual level, like the artist that puts a ton of work into each individual artwork they do. Um, we know that a lot of NFT artists do randomization um, with serial like. NFTs. So typically it's like 10,000 NFTs. That's the most common number, like the golden number a lot of people seem to find. Um, I noticed that you guys have something called serial minting. Um, Could you explain serial minting for our listeners? And is that widely used on your platform? 
Yes, so the, the, the beginning of serial minting, so it, it came up in, in two different things, uh, in, in four different formats. Uh, we have only been doing just one part of the thing. Uh, so first it was the NFT, and very quickly we decided to enable people to mint uh, both NFT and NFTs. And then very quickly it appeared that um, uh, there were some projects where we could have many NFTs of the same, but what we didn't want it to have is making sure that, um, because in the Cardano system, and I'm digressing, in the Cardano system, if you put one uh, policy ID with uh, one same name twice, then it's not anymore an NFT. And people have to be educated about that. It becomes an NFT. It's two fungible tokens that can be traded. This is the way Cardano I got an NFT or, a fund or tokens works. So very quickly, we, we started to say, okay, we want some artists like for prints, for example, engravement prints uh, to enable to have people that make one piece that it prints many times and being able to send, to send some series. This is the, serializ the serialization that we've been thinking about. First, we thought about one to 100, but for technical reason, we had to lower it to 120. But at some point, we want to uh, probably make a queue system that will enable to make a very bigger series uh, and, and automated. And then the second part that we thought about was to be able to, and that is not implemented yet, but it's, it's really deeply in, in what we want to do, is making some, some batch minting. Uh, for example, we, we upload a, a bunch of images and a spreadsheet. And then when we cross the references, uh, we queue all the mint and then having a series from one to, to 100 or 120 with different images. And then it makes like a space bed sorry or uh, something like that. And then there is a fourth uh, level of, of uh, distribution and uh, minting and distribution, which we call um, mint on demand. Uh, is actually you load the images uh, or or the the system uh, the, the the media system and the the spreadsheet uh, with all the rarity systems that uh, has been sold uh, before and then it's actually minted on demand mean, meaning that when someone is uh, saying I want something from this project and this is a bit the, the way uh, the Buffy Bots project works but in in the much more uh, uh, simpler way and, and not as industrial as uh, BuffyBot does. Uh, so we have all those level of uh, idea of making series or batch or, or collections uh, that we will implement little by little. Um, so this is where the series come from. And what we really want to educate people is knowing that making twice the same uh, fungible tokens doesn't uh, uh, the same token doesn't make it, it two NFTs, but actually are uh, two two fungible tokens that are replaceable in the Cardano system. Your asset name is important there, so you have to have a different asset name, whether it's a a number, you know, if it's if it's Conrad zero zero one, Conrad zero zero two, that's an NFT. If it's Conrad. And there's five of those. They're NFTs. So that's something important. Is this distinction for users? They're there, fungible right? tokens. Yeah. Yeah. Because so for anybody listening who might not know, a NFT it's non fungible. That means it's unique. So if you as soon as you get two of the same, then it becomes fungible. Because in the same way, two houses are they're non fungible because they're not equivalent. They're not exchangeable, and they're not divisible. Those are typically the qualities people look at to see if something's fungible or non-fungible. 
fungible would be like a US dollar. It's divisible. One dollar $1 bill to one dollar bills are exchangeable. And as soon as you have two NFTs that are exactly the same, they're fungible. And the they're, more and the more and the more they print it, the more fungible it becomes. Exactly. Oh, of course. Sorry, some some of my some of my principles coming in there. Oh it's it's all good. I did hear you talk about the mint on demand feature, and that's something I wanted to ask about because it really caught my attention when I looked at your roadmap. So I imagine it'll involve again smart contracts and you'll pay, for example, maybe a minting fee and the NFT price and an automated process will generate the NFT. Um, could you tell us a little bit about that? I know you talked a little bit about it, but if, would you be able to go into more detail? Because I'm actually curious because if I were putting together a project, I'd really not want to have to personally mint 10,000 and then have a yeah. manner by which to distribute them. I'd rather have the algorithm, for example, if you're doing the exactly. 10,000 style, to let people pay for the minting and process right. and then get their NFT. Exactly. So the idea with that really comes from BuffyBot. So um, the developer, one of the developers from BuffyBot, Adam Dean, is on the token team. And so that's essentially what BuffyBot does, much more complex and on a much higher level. So we still wanted to offer something to our artists that will allow them to do something similar as BuffyBot in, in the sense of someone arrives to your site or your profile and they can purchase an NFT and they will get one minted at random. So like a grab bag, that's what we've been calling it is a grab bag. Um, it, without having to set up your own website and implement BuffyBot, load the back end of BuffyBot. It's a lot of work. A lot of work goes into that. Um, so we wanted a quick, easy version. So like a BuffyBot light in a sense. Uh, so you can have essentially your NFTs loaded or your images loaded or your variables loaded. Uh, and then people can come and pay whatever amount of ADA that you decide to charge and they will get one at random distributed to them. Same exact way BuffyBot works, but without all the complexities of having your own setup. So we wanted to build something uh, like that. So buyers can buy at random without always shopping and have the excitement of that, you know, which NFT am I going to get? And, and allowing sellers to host a different version of a sale. Oh, no, again, so that would be ideal, especially if I was going for that 10,000. Because that takes a lot of work off the person's shoulders, which may or may not be a good thing to be honest, like ecosystem wise. But it's good, for example, if I want to make like a space buds project. Of course. Then it just you don't saves- have to have the technical knowledge. You know, oh, yeah. it's very simple. Oh, it saves That's me from idea. trying to like put together layers in Photoshop and just do each. Oh, that would take forever. So having an, I mean, that's the great thing about technology. You automate that. You make it so that you don't have to do it a thousand, ten thousand times. So no, that's awesome. And we we probably cap that at some, I don't know, some arbitrary quantity. I don't don't know what that would look like right now. It's hard to say, Um, you know, something at a a 10,000 range, like that's a, that's a big project, right? So we would probably delegate that off to, to Adam and Buffy bot, you know, and let, and let let Adam handle something on on that scale. But, you know, if it's a, you know, 500 or a 1000 or maybe a couple thousand, you know, mints, you know, that's something where, and, and, and that's a situation where I would personally work with that artist and, and work out their metadata and write the metadata structure out and, and have that, you know, cause, cause you, you run into a situation where you have all these different images 
um, or audio files or whatever the case may be. And so all these things have to be put on, uh, you know, uploaded to you know, IPFS or you know, some decentralized, you know, storage system. And we have to call those those pieces of data in. So there, there's there will be definitely a little bit of one on you know one on one with the artist, which I'm perfectly happy to do. Um, and and as time moves on, I'm sure we'll be able to develop more automated processes where you know an artist can input this data, you know, and 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 put those things up and 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 be able to you know art, articulate their metadata in a way that you know. Uh, aligns with the CIP 25 standard. So we're not, you know, we're not getting outside of the bounds of what is the, you know, the, the generally accepted standards on Cardano. We'll let you know when we start testing it. Come, come help us out. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so another thing I know you got, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> So I know you guys were talking about multiple different types of NFT. So we've been talking about there's JPEGs. Most commonly, it's like JPEGs and GIFs or GIFs, depending on how you wish to say it. I know people are touchy on that. Um, but for example, in recent news, including a new segment I've done, there's a DJ that's trying to put his EDM album on the Cardano blockchain. So in the future, we know there will probably be multiple formats. Do you guys have either an estimated time or what? Formats you're wanting to include on your platform. Chris, Chris made history the other day and uploaded Ooh. the first MP3 whole album and a player embedded into it. So you just open it up on Pool PM and you wow. can play a whole album. So that was that was pretty rad. But anyway, sorry, go ahead. Either Quinn or Valentin. One of the project that we we had, and this is on old because we have been working on. We, we have many many stuff in the back, but. Um, uh, many of our artists were saying that they were uh, interested in having 3D objects or videos or uh, or music. Uh, and then about videos, it came up very quickly the fact that if we show the video on the front uh, the front page, then it's it could be hard to load and and the experience could be not very interesting. So very quickly, by the idea of putting many different media, different kind of media, we also thought about putting together many different medias actually in the nft uh, so that's something that we have in mind and and it's i think it's almost uh developed but it hasn't been uh checked right now because we have uh, done many other things uh, for example we could put like a video an image and say the image is the cover the video is uh the experience and then we have the jpeg and we already have um, uh, in in the the viewer that we have the possibility to switch from one media to another there's uh, when we have multimedia uh, um, token which already exists we already uh, make this possible so it, it should come not very long ago depending on uh, on what comes up uh, when we have to pivot when some some stuff are, right. are more good to go um, in- Implementing alternative uh, media is not the problem. The problem then becomes uh, how to do that without compromising the user experience, essentially. We, yeah. we can already do it. We can put it MP3. We can put it uh, whatever you want, MP4, whatever it is that you're looking for. We can embed it into an NFT and send it to you. Um, but the problem then becomes if we have a million mp4s getting loaded up or full-length movies or some other whatever you know 
whatever people decide to create, well, how do we handle that data load uh, is the problem and, and how not to compromise the user experience on the site when, when we start getting huge volume like that. Oh, and using a service like IPFS, you know, IPFS is, is an amazing thing, right? So there was a period of in, in time where uh, Wikipedia was illegal in Turkey and Wikipedia was able to survive because of IPFS. So the entire website existed on IPFS and IPFS works the same kind of the same way that Cardano works in regard to there are many nodes across the planet. People are hosting all this information and validating all this information. And so when the information passes from node to node, it's, it's all validated. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so that website existed in Turkey, even when it was illegal to have in Turkey. So that, so it's, it's, it's cool to have such an you know, exceptional tool at our disposal. So, you know, when you have somebody uploading a, say a, a full length feature film, if, if you're complying with the CIP 25 metadata standard on Cardano, you know, the idea there is you have two data points, right. Of extraction. So you yeah. have the thumbnail, which, you know, you would have, so you would have a thumbnail image, whether it's a GIF or JPEG or PNG or whatever the case may be. And then you have your primary and your primary will be that file source, that source. So whether it's HTML, whether it's, you know, uh, an MP4, whether it's an MP3, whether it's a wave or a Vorgus or whatever, you know, whatever that secondary, you know, main primary data uh, file type is. Um, we want to have that first thumbnail image to be able to parse, you know, on these different websites on our asset explorer on pool.pm, uh, et cetera. Um, so, for example, I'm just going to show myself here. So, uh, so I recently released an album on Cardano, and what I did was, so all the audio files are hosted on IPFS. The the JavaScript and the player itself is all hosted on IPFS, and so the the first thing you see on pool.pm or on on Token.io's Asset Explorer is that thumbnail image, which is the album cover, or you know, whatever, however you want to refer to that. And then when you open that up, then you get the player, right? So it's, it's all right there. It's all decentralized. It's, you know, it's, it's immutable. Um, as long as the internet exists, these things will exist. Um, and as far as I know, I've done my research. So I'm just going to say it. There's a, there's a possibility I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure I am the first person on planet earth to ever produce an NFT that has all the audio files in a single NFT with an integrated player built in. Um, <laughs> the, the, out, the, the artist name is Next Smile. That's that's my my pseudonym. It's Next Smile, and the album name album name is Traverse. Um, and that was built with things we're working with on Token. So one of the things we're working on now is a way to take what I've built and make it a tool for other musicians to be able to upload their audio files to token and there and you could use you know each each song in theory could have its own image right so you could in theory you could have a 45 song album and also have 45 images associated with that album so you could you know technically you could have you know 90 assets in a single nft 
which is pretty profound um, when you think about it on that, on that, you know, in that kind of construct, um, you know, having NFTs inside of an NFT, you know, it seems like a lot, like something that I wouldn't have thought about. Cause when you think of like album art, you think of like iTunes, you're just like, okay, it's just an image and it's MP3. It's just music. But then you have to think about, okay, how are you going to implement this into one, like one place on the blockchain or like one IPFS. So no, it, that's awesome. Like I didn't even know this has been done yet. Yeah. It actually opens up a, uh, a really good kind of Pandora's box because now you have integrated HTML and, and JavaScript as an NFT. Well, that means websites can be with NFTs. That means in theory, we can take token and make it an NFT and sell someone the NFT representation of a marketplace you could use to sell NFTs. And like the meta of it is like glorious. And it really is like the the future of a, a lot of the internet now is probably going to be NFT representations of things. And also you now you can't take down a website in theory because it's if whoever has the NFT has the has the keys to the kingdom kind of thing. This sounds exactly like, this sounds like a right. great way into, for example, one of the many things I talk about when it comes to NFTs, because right now I feel like like a few months ago, we just barely scratched the surface. You've got like JPEGs, you've got collections of JPEGs, that type of thing. But then one thing I was always talking about is imagine having your deeds on NFTs. Imagine having your right. like car ownership. And then, for example, have a smart contract. You send enough USD to pay off your car, for example, at the set interest rates. And then you get this NFT representation of, of that on, for example, your Italis Prism ID. You own this car exactly. no matter what happens. But the only negative is, for example, if the car disappears IRL, then like you've got a deed to a car that doesn't exist. But uh, assuming something like that, your car doesn't blow up or something that, like that. circle back to the origin of the project. My little uh, art toy, exactly. the, the NFC chip with it and goes that you own the stuff, but then it's linked to the, to the blockchain. But it's also something that when we decided of the name of Token, uh, we were thinking... Many so many people came up with uh, ideas like dream NFTs or dream art or something like that. And I say, but uh, a token is much more than it could be much more than a, a piece of art. It could yep. be a proof of ownership. It could right. be a proof of uh, of agreement. It could be, and at some point we can have token art, and we could have token um, token proof of of uh, um, proof of engineering or token and stuff like that. Right. Uh, so the name token even is for us something that means much more than what. Right now, and we're very uh, close to our artists, and this is something that is very precious for us. But the token yeah. could be many, many things, and this is why we we wanted to do FTs to to do to be able to do coupons, to do, be able to 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 do um, uh, tokens and 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 coins and stuff like that. Uh, so the the possibility are yeah. are amazing. Um, right. So the idea. Sorry. Go ahead, Chris. I was just going to say, you know, when, when Valentin proposed these different ideas, whenever we, we were going through our rebrand stage, that was the, you know, the, the primary reason I, I, I voted for, you know, mainly for token was because of exactly what, it, what Valentin is saying. Like, you know, it, it's not limiting us to, it's not limiting us to art. You know, we're, we're not limited to any one thing, you know, 
art, like art is what everybody knows NFT is for at this stage in time, right? At this point in history. But in 30 years, do you think art is going to be what NFTs are known for? No, it's not no. going to be at all. And, and I'm not shitting on art. You know, I'm, a, I'm an artist. I love art. But the implications of what NFTs can bring for technology and all of humanity is way beyond art. It's way beyond art. I mean, there's right. the implications are so far reaching. We, we can't even imagine the use cases that are going to come our way. Oh, yeah. And just because of the very nature of it, making it non-censorable, that alone is a beautiful concept. Because, for example, let's say, as, as Anthony said, you have a website. And then, for example, that it gets taken down. Well, if you have the NFT of the website, it doesn't matter what they try to do. It still exists. So that's the beauty of it. And again, I, I think we've just scratched the surface. I think this is it's going to freak, which is kind of freaky. Also, if you think about it, if we put an AI on, 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 on blockchain on an NFT and then it got rogue and then we can plug it out. <laughs> That's some Skynet stuff right there. I was going to say, it's not until singularity happens. It's an NFT of an AI that comes sentient. Somebody tries to mint a Hopefully space button. Hopefully it wasn't minted on token. <laughs> it, def it definitely would. It definitely wasn't. It, it would put you on the map. <laughs> it take everyone off the map. Yeah. So, so yeah. So token, token. The idea behind token is is more than just an NFT marketplace. I mean, that's in a sense what it is. But we use it as an onboarding tool. So if our artists have a great onboarding experience, then in theory, so should our businesses that start approaching us. So the next thing that tokens really focusing on is getting into the commercial side of, of business with certificates of authenticity and, and uh, uh, loyalty reward tracking. So uh, there's a Real few companies that, right. There's a few companies that do this already. And uh, one famous one's like Ferrari. If you don't own certain models of Ferrari, you cannot purchase certain models of Ferrari. And sometimes they even invite you based off of what you purchased in the past to buy a new model or whatever. This can all be done via blockchain querying wallets that already own Ferrari NFTs. Uh, they, Ferrari can very quickly look through and say, okay, all of these wallets are qualified to buy this model. Uh, same thing goes with watches. Essentially, token could um, take the authentic authentication industry by storm, like uh, companies like StockX. Why would they be necessary when your collectible shoes now come with NFTs? There's no fudging the NFT. You can simply go to Nike or Jordan's website, look at the policy ID and confirm. Uh, and so it, essentially, if you lose your NFT, it's like losing the title to your car. Your car has little to no value if you lose the title of it uh, or you have to go through the process of reclaiming it or, or whatever. But typically the case, the value of a vehicle is held in the title uh, because that proves ownership of it. Same thing with NFTs. And that's kind of where we're going into the commercial and industrial sector of NFTs as well. Oh, yeah. And I'm glad you talked a little bit about fungible tokens, for example, for let's say I know if you've used a lot of little or you've worked with a lot of stores, for example, or you've gone to a lot of stores, some of them, especially small mom and pops, will have like a square device. And then when you make a purchase based upon your card, you'll get reward points, which I'm sure could be fungible tokens, for example, that you could exchange later on. 
So I did notice you guys had fungible tokens on your platform as well. Yeah, you can mint, obviously, uh, and then you can also buy and sell on the site as well. Um, the obvious uh the obvious thing to look out for there is securities. And that's why we have a disclaimer on there because those are tend, tend to be high risk to be tied uh, to securities. So we're always wary of that. Um, but yeah, we do offer it. And, and, and that's exactly why we offer it is when you start to incorporate those mom and pop shops, either running their own type of loyalty token uh, or something of that nature, that, that is the purpose of, of why we do that. Oh, yeah. And I've seen, for example, also multiple pools having their own tokens using it. It's yeah. great that you guys have that because I haven't noticed, for example, I haven't seen it on CNFT.io. I haven't seen it on a lot of um, CNFT marketplaces. So I'm. it's interesting that you guys include that as well. With respect to a smart contract, a, a token is a token. You know, it's really just a quantity of it right. that's being associated with it. So on a technical side, it's like, sell whatever you want it's all it comes back to everything's a token like it, it's all just an nft a, a fungible token it's just many nfts i mean in a lot of ways so it's it's kind they of react like the that. same way yeah, yeah they're transmitting i'm gonna use i'm gonna use my tired old phrase of to the kids at home um when you're creating it when you're creating an nft or excuse me an nft uh be careful about your promises because when you when you start promising things that might come later, you turn into a security real fast. So the SEC I, I is come back. Yeah, I don't want to mess with it. Yeah, Are we don't. This is not the path that we want to go, to go in. Uh, at least right now. Oh, I completely we, understand. That's we're why a trading platform and not an exchange platform. Oh yeah, right, no, right. exactly. And I know that. That's why one of the most common phrases in cryptocurrency is not financial advice. Like we're, it's not a security because like you don't want the SEC knocking at your door. So, of course, if you start saying if you buy this, you'll get huge return. Nope, like you don't do it. So, no, I we don't think you're I don't think anybody and you've already put your disclaimers up there, of course. But it's you're not an exchange. You're a trading platform, like a bartering tra- platform in essence. So it's not an unregistered exchange. No, no, of course not. Um, But again, thank you guys for coming on. This has been super informative and I really appreciate you all taking the time to chat today. But before we go, how can listeners get involved with what you're doing or how can people best support you and your team? Maybe we can talk about the pool, Anthony. Yeah, 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 of course. So um, to get involved with what we do, well, there's a couple different routes. If you're an artist, uh, join our Discord. Uh, if you're interested in becoming a partner artist, we have a, a an onboarding uh, through Discord. Uh, it's super easy. It's quick. You just hit us up at staff and someone will get you through the onboarding process. Uh, Token.io forward slash Discord. Beautiful. If you are a, an NFT collector, come to Token.io and shop around. Uh, use our smart contracts. Check out instant purchases. It's It's super rad. I think you'll like it. And uh, if you just want to support us and you can always stake to our token pool, it's uh, TKHN1. Uh, it's a 25% pool. The fee goes towards developing token. And in lieu of that 25%, we are actually offering a utility token for a token as well, uh, which we will be able to use to mint, buy, and sell on the platform. Awesome. So again, thank you guys so much. This has been highly educational. I've I've learned so much. I didn't know some of this history had already been made. 
But again, this thank you guys so much for coming on. Thank you for having it was us. A pleasure, Conward. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. Conward, we, we could talk for hours, brother. Thank you so much <laughs> for having us on. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Cardano Convo podcast. If you want an easy way to help us out, make sure to share this podcast. That way we can grow and create a better podcast for you guys. Also leave us a five-star review. And if you had feedback on today's episode, tweet us at Cardano Convo. Send your emails to cardanoconvo at gmail.com or join the Cardano Convo Discord server and let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Also make sure to check out our new podcast website on crypto-loops.com. We'd also like to thank our sponsors. First are our Patreons over on the Cardano Convo Patreon page. Their direct contributions help to make this podcast possible. By becoming a Patreon, you gain amazing benefits such as access to polls, to help decide the content of upcoming episodes, early access to videos, roles and benefits within the Discord server, and so much more. Our second sponsor is Loops Pool. If you want to help out the podcast and are looking for a Cardano stake pool to delegate your ADA to, then think about delegating with Loops Pool. That's Loops, L-O-O-P-S. Again, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you in the next episode of the Cardano Convo.